0: All bad things. Tragedy. Tragedies,
1: disasters. That's bad things.
0: Trigger warning for everything possible.
1: What? There.
0: <laughs> I'm Rachel.
1: I'm David.
0: And is all bad things.
1: Welcome everybody. Welcome.
0: Follow us. InstaX, Twitter, Facebook, Blue Sky Threads at all bad things pod. Email us all at gmail.com. Join our Facebook discussion group, our subreddit, and our Discord.
1: Do all of those things. And Twitch. Yeah. I
0: said that. TikTok and Twitch, yes.
1: We're pretty much on everything. Sure. <laughs> We're so, worldwide. So, so put into here's the easiest way to do it. Put into a Google search. All bad things pod. <laughs>
0: Eh, I mean, that's not necessarily going to lead you to our social means. Always.
1: That's true. But you can figure that out.
0: (laughs) You'll you'll find us one way or the other. (coughs) Hmm. How you doing?
1: (laughs) I'm doing good. How you doing?
0: I'm doing good.
1: So we have a listener script this week. We do. Because how
0: much work did we do on the pod the past couple weeks? Zero. That's right. (laughs) So thank you, as always, mm-hmm. to our loyal listeners for um, submitting scripts. This is why we hoard them. It is. <laughs> for when we, for do when we need them. It. Yes. Like researching or just simply have not. Or researched.
1: just had, didn't have the opportunity to, really. Yes. Although this week was kind of both.
0: Yes, <laughs> <laughs> it was both. <laughs> so we have another fine script from, any guesses?
1: Uh, Nicole? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, was, <laughs> S- if it wasn't her, I was going to guess Stephen. <laughs>
0: <Yes. laughs> we have many um contributors, however, yes, Stephen and Nicole, I think, are the most prolific.
1: And somebody, um, you said somebody had written or started writing a script about uh our last week's episode. Yes,
0: of yeah, we will be doing that at some point. So, um, the Hartford Circus Fire, mm. Leanne had already started mm. a script. That's who it was. And Leanne is a very thorough researcher. Hmm. No shade to you.
1: <laughs> I was gonna it's never shade to me.
0: But when when Leanne mentioned it, I was like, "Well, I don't want you to have you know put in the work for it and us not do it. So, if you'd like to, you know, go ahead and and just just send it to us, and we'll do." Well, at some point, I'm not I'm not positive when exactly because we'll obviously we'll have to sit down and record it. But we're gonna do like a, a midweek episode. We'll we'll release like a bonus episode at some point, mm-hmm. like a Hartford Circus Fire revisited.
1: Yeah, right. Or part two, Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> there you
0: go. <laughs> um, because that's that's something I'm always a little concerned about. Most people. When they're well, a lot of people when they're writing a script email me and say, "Hey, has anyone done this?" Or sometimes, like, "Have you done this?" Because (laughs) there, there's over three hundred episodes; it's easy to miss one, Um, and I try to track that. On my spreadsheet, my master spreadsheet. And you, have,
1: and you have an actual binder of all the scripts we've done.
0: Right. So I, I try to keep track of like...
1: For anybody that wants those signed, by the that's way. That's right. We Anytime. We haven't thrown that out there in
0: a while. No, that's true. Um, but if somebody's wanting to research something and they email me or, or, or message me about it, I'll mark that on my sheet that they're working on it so that I won't do it. Or if somebody else asks about it, that I'll let I'll let them know somebody else is working on it. So, um, but I mean, I think it's also fine to just go ahead and and submit a script because even if it's something that we've done, like the Hartford Circus Fire, or um, somebody else does, uh, my thought has always been we can always do it as like a revisited. Sure. You know, there's nothing wrong with that, and you could have. Ten different people write about the same thing, and you're not going to get the same exact story. This, the that's correct. You get the, because you get everybody's, the basics, um, right? But you know,
1: but the the perspective on the story, exactly. perspective on the story, will be different from each person.
0: Exactly, and what you're interested in focusing on, mm-hmm. how you how you you know knit together the story. Every every writer's different, right? Mm-hmm. So no no different on on scripts. So um, that's always my backup plan. We haven't yet, I don't think. Had two people submit the same thing or something we've already done. I don't think but we
1: have. No, yeah, we we that's... got we got lucky a few times and just happened to put it out there what we were going to try to work on. And People were like, "Oh, like I did a script for that." There Remember was that.
0: Once that there was something. It like was that, uh, the
1: Dale Earnhardt uh, crash, and uh, it was another one. It was the the cruise ship that the Costa uh, Concordia. Yes. Mm. Mm-hmm. And we just casually mentioned that that we were doing those, uh-huh. and the people that actually had written them, like and paper, turned them into papers us or something. Like we're like, hey, by the way,
0: oh, already uh-huh. done. I don't think. <coughs> yeah. No, I don't think it worked quite that way because I keep track of what people no, give I understand. Us. What, what I'm saying is I think maybe people already had written something, not yet submitted it. I could be wrong. Oh, could be yeah, that,
1: that could be as well. But yeah.
0: what I'm saying is I do try to keep track. So, like, oh, I, I I've got all of the listener scripts that we've gotten so far in my master spreadsheet so that I know and don't have to keep checking my email. Um, although, as I said, you know, at, at any point, if you feel like we haven't gotten to your script and you want us, especially if you're like, hey, you know, come on, get to my script already. Like, that's a legitimate... Because
1: you did the work on it, so (laughs) of course. Yes, and that's
0: a legitimate
1: expression. If uh, if within a year we haven't done
0: it. You know what, I wouldn't even say that. I would just say if you're feeling some type of way about it, like, feel free to just be like, hey, can you get to this soon, please? Because I'm a little annoyed. You have the right to be annoyed. I'm fine with it, and we will get to it soon. So anyway, Nicole. (laughs) Nicole said this is probably one for Rachel to read, so yeah. hence I read it. Um, so, this script does not take place in Alaska, within the modern boundaries of Michigan, or on one of the Great Lakes. I was just going to
1: say, or on the Great Lakes, huh?
0: Pick your jaws up off the floor whenever you're ready.
1: <laughs> can, I, can I guess as to what, sure. it, what, what doth it might be? Mm-hmm. Um, it's about the Mississippi River.
0: Are you just trying to think just, of, like, another yeah, yes. Americana body sort of, thing. of A body of water, yeah.
1: <laughs> yes. A very important one.
0: This is the story of the incident nearly universally referred to as Night of the Grizzlies. Which okay, occurred... this sounds fucking scary It as does. As well. It's a very ominous title.
1: I just got done playing The Last of Us 2 Remastered, by the way, Nicole, so I don't need <laughs> any more jump scares. I've had Involving
0: enough. bears. I've had,
1: well... That game does not involve bears, thankfully.
0: Oh, Last of Us. Yeah. I was thinking Red Dead. Red yeah. Dead does. That, there is. Yeah. There, uh-huh. there are bears in that
1: one. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm good on being afraid <laughs> for today.
0: Well, we don't have grizzly bears here. We don't. We just don't. Um, there are black bears oh, yeah, in bears. North Carolina, but nope. I don't know if they're anywhere near us. Not really. They're like, they're does in the Umstead mountains. Have? They're they're no. they're in the mountains. No, there's not like bears in Amstead
1: not that i know of
0: I sure wouldn't think so
1: but i mean there are there are deer around here there's you no know, oh, well, foxes of, co- of and... course
0: i would not get too scared by it but there of those but ones. there
1: are some areas that don't have that kind of wildlife either so yeah
0: that's that's true
1: um but yeah we we've, we've got a, a we've got we got snakes some of them poisonous mm-hmm. so black widows yep we've got those too mm-hmm. yeah, yeah that's we right we do have. that's mm-hmm. right we do have some uh and brown some nasty I uh think. spiders mm-hmm. in this uh region mm-hmm. don't we
0: mm-hmm.
1: but yeah grizzly bears nope uh, and if you ever came across one, guess what? It's the last thing you're ever going to fuck come across. <laughs> like, it's well, game over. Yes.
0: I should probably finish the sentence. Oh. So, referred to as Night of the Grizzlies, which occurred in Glacier National Park in August of 1967.
1: Wow. So, before Night of the Comet.
0: What's Night of the Comet?
1: It's a very cheesy uh,
0: oh.
1: 80s uh, horror movie. Oh, oh, okay. Three people might get that reference.
0: Okay. I was not one of them. clearly. Like I did for a long time prior to writing the 1925 diphtheria epidemic, I've been waiting around for a while hoping someone else would write this one because it deserves to be done well and I question my abilities. Aw. I
1: don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we certainly do not.
0: But eventually I'd snap into just do it mode. Sure. Go ahead.
1: <laughs> like just crack it open.
0: Just do it. There are multiple approaches one can take to telling Night of the Grizzlies. I am not going to tell this story in an entirely linear fashion. I am not going to summarize what happens at the start. So we might get some jump scares. (laughs) Some shows have covered this in more graphic detail than I will. There are many two and three parters on this story. The documentary is 90 minutes long. I wanted to spend more time on how this happened and how one can stay safe out there than on gore. What I will say before we dive in is there are multiple bad things here. It's not just human death. It's not just animal death. It's not just the trauma of surviving an event where a friend died. It's not just an institution failing so spectacularly that it caused both human and animal death. It's not that, to this day, a lot of people don't know how to protect themselves in the wild. It's all of that put together. Wow. Hmm. I don't know how to protect myself in the wild. That is why. I do not go into the wild. <laughs> I stay I far mean, away from the wild. I mean,
1: I've never been uh, one with a gun, but um, you know, bringing a knife is just that's it's just a pretty uh, basic way of okay. At least I've got this.
0: You I know, I'm guess that Nicole might go into more effective things Probably. than hand to hand combat. Yeah. But, but I'm just saying with a deadly animal. Just but. have a
1: knife. No. Yeah. Mm, well, let's
0: <laughs> let's not just give out blanket advice. All right, sources. <laughs> The books Night of the Grizzlies by Jack Olson, Four Seconds Until Impact Wow by Bruce Buckshot Hemming, Death in Glacier, Stories of Accidents and Foolhardiness in the Crown of the Continent by Randy Minotaur, The Tooth and Claw Podcast, NPS.gov, My Own Personal Experience in Glacier and Around Bears, mm, NWF.org. And Glacier National Park Night of the Grizzlies, a PBS documentary which is particularly well done and is available on YouTube if anyone is interested in that. It includes photos and interviews from people involved. Hmm. So, Glacier National Park. Glacier National Park. Glacier National Park is located in, any guesses? Because I didn't know. I wouldn't have been able uh, to
1: say. I, I'm, I'm wanting to say like Montana? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: You got it. No yeah. Samsonite there, Northern Montana.
1: Yeah, because well, I they use part of that I think for uh, part of the national park and in, in Red Dead Redemption too. Oh, okay. <laughs> but yeah, that's where I thought it was. I knew it was. It was either there or North Dakota. Was, mm-hmm. That was my, would have been my second guess.
0: Uh, it was established in March on March eleventh, nineteen ten. Although archaeological evidence dates human presence in the area to more than ten thousand years ago. Mm-hmm. Present-day tribes who have ancient ties to the area are the Cheyenne, Blackfeet, Salish... Salish? Do you know how to pronounce... Anyway. Uh,
1: Not from the Midwest. (laughs) Yeah.
0: My apologies if that was incorrect. Kootenai or Kootenai and Shoshone. I I do know how to pronounce that one. Shoshone? Shoshone, yes. In In the present day, the Blackfeet reservation borders the eastern end of the park and the Flathead, another name for Salish reservation in the southwest end this would be a ten-parter if i went into the complicated matter that is native relations with the u.s government treaties etc yeah no kidding mm-hmm. the blackfeet consider the mountains of glacier national park as the quote backbone of the world end quote. Hmm. arguably the- <laughs>
1: it's quite a claim
0: yeah right Arguably the most famous road in any national park in the United States, at least the one with the most recognizable name, is the one that crosses Glacier, the aptly named Going to the Sun Road. Glacier is over 1 million acres, or over 4,000 square kilometers, and is home to over 100 named lakes, hundreds of species of animals, and over 1,000 species of plants. It has almost 700 miles of front country and back country trails. Glacier National Park was created to preserve wild places and wild things. That's an, another reason I probably won't go there. <laughs> <laughs> or if I do ever, <clears throat> it might be like on the very edge in a car. <laughs> in on, one, on that road <laughs> and just like dip in, take a look and run away. Mm-hmm. Uh, to, anyway, to preserve what it always was. Places like this with federal protection are necessary to prevent capitalistic greed from ruining it and to prevent animals from being further displaced from their historic range. John Denver's song, The Mountain Song, emphasizes the importance of going to wild places and experiencing them to appreciate them, and also how there will always be people who only see dollar signs when they see land, water, animals. Quote, and people come from everywhere to see what they can find. And some takes take lots of pictures, and some just take their time. But there's some who take a beauty that can't be bought or sold, and they think of only money. Sorry, <laughs> while destroying wealth untold. End quote. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's that's horrible, and exactly just what people do, which is horrible. <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean. Thankfully, we do have national parks. Yes, and, and,
0: and it's a very important thing.
1: I'm sure I've mentioned it before, but one of the better... Um, who's the guy that does the long documentaries? They're like 10 parts Defuncting? long. No, no, no. Oh. The actual documentaries. For oh, ten like, parts. Yes. He did one on the national parks, mm-hmm. and I think he called it uh, America's Best Idea. Uh-huh. And it kind of is. Otherwise, because... Yeah. <clears throat> Like imagine people having like houses on the Grand Canyon. Yeah. With like with or, like do not with like do not enter signs. Or filling
0: like, it in. Right. Or like chopping it Shit out. Shit like carving that. it out. Yeah. It's like there's. Yeah.
1: It's like we kind of and until you see the documentary, it's like you kind of take it for granted because you kind of think, oh, they have these things in other places on Earth, and mm-hmm. it's like no, no, they don't. Mm-hmm. Like the only place there's a Grand Canyon like thing, is the Grand Canyon. Right. Mm-hmm. That's it. There's not another one. Well, and all the and plus all the parks out west that I'd love to go to at some point.
0: Yeah, yeah, likewise. Um something that's kind of interesting to do with um you know the idea of capitalism but also like um land preservation and and nature preservation. Is that they do sort of mix or, or not mix, they they intersect in a very interesting concept. Um and I mention this just because not a lot of people are into taxes and i understand but i'm one of them there's something called a conservation easement where mm-hmm. basically people quote donate land and what they're actually donating quote unquote is they're essentially promising to not develop this land right to let it remain and and there's certain definitions you know whether it's um Good hunting land, good fishing land, or good just preservation for you know enjoyment sort of land. And they donate these, and I, you know, put air quotes around it, this land where they technically still own the land. So they are not giving away the land. Sure. But they're essentially granting this protection by donate by by like promising it to XYZ Preservation Fund, right? And by doing that, I mean, the upside is it ostensibly does what it says it does and preserves the land, right? And prevents people from developing it. The capitalistic side is that they get a charitable deduction on their taxes for doing this. Unfortunately, it's also a high abuse area in the tax law. Where people are not really gen- genuinely donating these easements, the, these conservation easements, an easement is like a right, mm-hmm. right, like a right of right of way or right of, right of use, and so they're they're abusing this either by there's things called syndicated conservation easements where a bunch of people get together, whatever, whatever, um, or overvaluing the value of the easement or whatever. But it's just kind of an interesting intersection of capitalism and nature preservation. And it's just really shitty that that's what it takes because that's something, the guy who owns SAS, Mm -hmm. um, or no, 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 the guy who owns Epic, the guy Mm -hmm. who owns Epic, Forget his name. I can't remember Todd his name. Sweeney, Tim Sweeney, Tim Sweeney. I think that's his name. I don't know. Don't quote me on that. You can Google it. But he is like one of the largest private landowners in North Carolina. That's right. He bought up tons and tons of nature Land, you know, like uh, uh, nature land, nature land <laughs> preservation, I guess, preserved yeah. land.
1: He also bought a shit ton of residential land just up the street oh, from right. us.
0: Yes, he did. <laughs> Quite literally um, a mile away. <laughs> <laughs> to give people more of an idea where we live. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. um, they, uh, so so he is, you know, known as like this great, oh, he's a great ecologist for wanting to preserve this land he is also a big conservation easement guy. it's just like, yeah. well, how can I profit from being such a great guy? Yeah. You know? So I don't know. It's, I'm of several minds about, you know, whether that is even a good thing or not. But I mean, I guess it's sort of the, if you can't beat them, join 'em, join And at least we still get the land preserved. I don't know. It's, it's just an interesting uh, little <laughs> sidebar that I'm sure Nicole's so happy. I got into in the middle of her script. So the,
1: the eyes cannot roll fast enough. <laughs>
0: So as Glacier is one of the most visually stunning and ecologically important places in the United States, it receives about 3 million visitors per year and is often referred to as the crown of the continents. Ooh, here's some, um, uh, here's a, a photo of Glacier, a photo by Earth Trekkers, and then Nicole at Glacier National Park in 2012. She was 19. I wish I was had been 19 in 2012. <laughs> Likewise. Um, so there's...
1: The, yeah, it it's beautiful it's gorgeous. absolutely
0: gorgeous and that's nicole i don't know why i said nicole <laughs> <laughs> nicole <laughs>
1: you've, been, you've been in the southeast I too
0: hope. long you <laughs> Um, you've been
1: the, we've both been in the Southeast at this point for almost as long as like if we were both born here and we're about to graduate high school. Right.
0: Yes. Very much so. I've been here
1: 17 years and you've been here 18, 18 years. 18
0: at the, uh, in a few months. Yeah. I'll mm-hmm. be 18. Years. And I,
1: plus I was in Greenville, South Carolina yeah. for five years. So mm-hmm. I've lived in the South southeast Le- South least. South, least. South oh, least. oh no. That no. sounds
0: like such a bad insult. South, um, the South least. No, it, it,
1: it, people do call it that, but. Oh, I didn't know that. I think the <laughs> Southeast is gorgeous. Um, especially the state of North Carolina, but anyway, yeah,
0: the state of North Carolina. Very yeah, fun. I've
1: spent 23 years of my adult life in the southeast, so mm-hmm. I've pretty much been here half your life, my entire adult life yeah. too, minus a couple years in Crabchester.
0: <laughs> um. So Nicole says, "Me and Glacier National Park in 2012 at a different lake. Please don't ask me about the stupid raccoon hat." <laughs> It's a small picture, so it's a little tricky to see, but I I was 19 and I thought it looked cool. We've all made bad choices. Let's move on. We've all
1: thought raccoon hats looked cool at some point, haven't we?
0: 19's a tough age. It 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 just is.
1: It's a a difficult transition.
0: Yes. Are you ready for Grizzly Bear Corner?
1: Uh, Yeah, I guess so. As long as there's no jump scares. I'll take that over over, uh, Cordyceps. Which, oh, uh, those are the... Which Nicole has admitted she has not listened to that episode because she hates The Last of Us, so...
0: Oh, yes, the, the mucormycorsus. Yeah, yeah, my mucor- whatever. I, I just call it the cordyceps. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so male male grizzly bears are called boars and females really? sows, and the young are called cubs. That's interesting.
1: The cubs is pretty easy. Yeah, cubs, I mean, the, but I didn't know they were boars and them, sows. Because no. a sow is a pig.
0: Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. <laughs> A sub-adult bear is generally defined as a bear that has left the company of its mother, usually around age three, but is not yet sexually mature. Sexual maturity occurs between ages four and six. Brown bears <laughs> and of course it does. <laughs> For bears, <Yeah>. let's <laughs> be clear about that. We don't need a uh, what's this? What's the creeper's name? Matt Gates listening to this episode. I'm yeah, right. Well, I say, what's who's the creeper? But there's there's a laundry list of them so it's hard to tell but anyway brown bears and grizzly bears are the same thing oh
1: really let's
0: get that out of the way now thank you nicole i had no idea brown bears and grizzly bears are the same thing huh (laughs) this is that mind blown emoji i didn't know that i thought those were two different species Alright, some refer to coastal brown bears and interior brown bears differently, as the bears in the interior typically grow larger, but they are the same subspecies of bear. Oh, that's interesting. So just, like, their habitat
1: affects them. I was going to say, that that makes sense. Yeah.
0: Grizzly bears can weigh... What's your guess? Oh, she gives a big range.
1: But I, but I, I think they weigh around, like, a half a ton. A thousand pounds? Yeah.
0: Well, that's the top range, so... 400 and a thousand pounds. Oh.
1: Okay. So it's a, it's a,
0: obviously depending on the the sex and even, the size. Even yeah.
1: still a quarter of a ton, which is a little over what 400 pounds is, but right. still. Mm-hmm. Uh, and how agile they are, which right. is just I mean they are bears are apex predators.
0: Yes, yeah, for a reason. Yes. <laughs> Um, The largest ever confirmed grizzly was 1,496 pounds, or 678.5 kilograms. Wow. That's wild. (laughs) See, literally. (laughs) (laughs) In their historic habitat range, which they have been significantly moved off of, grizzly bears eat about 75% plant-based foods. Roots, nuts, grasses, fruits, and 25% meat small mammals, fish, and they will scavenge larger carcasses. They live between 25 and 30 years in the wild. As stated in the PBS documentary, mankind has always been fascinated by and terrified by stories of bears because, quote, they are co-dominant with us. Hmm. They are big enough to require our respect. They are big enough to humble us, end quote. Yeah. Yeah. When it comes to protecting yourself against a bear... There is a saying that, generally speaking, tells you what you should do when you encounter various types of bears. Ooh, a little good, like a red red on black won't hurt Jack, red on yellow hurt a fellow sort of... I hope I got that the right way. <laughs> anyway, don't look that up first. <laughs> if it's black, fight back. If it's brown, get down. If it's white, good night. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> so polar, yeah, bears, polar bears, you just, bears just stand no yeah. chance. Yeah. Um, well, that's why in Svalbard they're required to carry mm. around rifles.
1: No, polar bears are like the, the most aggressive bear, but. Which uh, not But interacting they, only, with but they only live in like remote parts of the earth, mm-hmm. so. Th- the vast majority of people on earth are never going to have an interaction with a polar right. bear.
0: Right. Might see one at the zoo.
1: Yeah, that would be it.
0: So if it's black, fight back. If it's brown, get down. So that would be a grizzly bear, too. And if it's a polar bear, just die.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you're just going to be dead.
0: As polar... Oh, here we go. Here we (laughs) go. Nicole always knows where we're going with this. As polar bears are the species that humans encounter the least in North America, I'm going to get into black versus brown bear attacks specifically. Due to the difference in how black and grizzly bears evolved, black bears are not (coughs) known for being as defensive in nature as grizzlies are. If you surprise a black bear or come upon a mother black bear with her cubs, they will almost always simply scurry up a tree instead of attacking you. That's what, I think that's what we've got in the mountains here, black bears. Mm-hmm. Grizzlies did not evolve in thick forests and their claws evolved for digging, making their claws longer and not as conducive to climbing trees. This is the main reason why grizzlies are so defensive and will cub defend while black bears typically do not. That is why they say if it's black, fight back, because if a black bear attacks you, which is an extremely rare occurrence, the attack is almost always predatory, and so you should fight for your life because you want to convince the bear that the energy it expels to kill you is not worth the calories it would get from eating you. Hmm. Humans are relatively bony creatures compared to other animals, so you often can convince a bear that you are not worth it since they won't get as much fat as they could by taking down a different kind of animal. Hmm. With grizzlies, you are told to get down or play dead because grizzlies almost always attack defensively. And if you fight back, you are validating that bear's interpretation of you as a threat. If you play dead, the bear is much more likely to leave you alone because it believes the threat is neutralized. This is also why it's important, especially in grizzly country, to not walk quietly. You don't want to surprise a grizzly bear. If they hear you coming, Uh, they'll they'll
1: just be like, all right, I'll just, I I don't, not up for the nuisance, I'll just move.
0: Don't jump scare a grizzly Uh, bear. There you go. (laughs) Um, If they hear you coming, they will almost always move away from you. Bear bells, or wearing a bell in order to constantly alert bears when you walk by jingling, is not a reliable or recommended method. Bears do not recognize the sound of a bell as anything. That's true. Because like, where is say, that occurring? And, in and the all lab? that
1: would do is attract a mountain lion, and you'd die from that <laughs> instead. <laughs> like the mountain lion doesn't care if you're sneaking up on it or being loud; it's sneaking up on you, and will get you.
0: Right. It's, it's, they do not know that.
1: <laughs> so mountain lions like, oh, there's a little snack.
0: They, so they don't know that that indicates the presence of humans. Yeah, you know, trying. some park be loud. Yeah. Some park rangers joke that bear bells are called dinner bells, <laughs> but it's not accurate that bells attract bears. They just don't do anything to warn them off and can give hikers a false sense of security. That said, please just talk. Don't play music on a speaker. We're not in the woods we're not in the woods to hear your playlist, thank you. <laughs> the best defense against bears is bear spray which I'll talk about a bit later, as it was invented in the early 1980s and therefore did not play a part in the, at the time in the Night of the Grizzlies.
1: <laughs> Played a part on January 6th, though.
0: They had bear spray?
1: Fuck yeah.
0: Why? Who?
1: The, the, the Trump supporters. To, the to insurrectionists on, yes. had bear spray. Yeah, because that'll put a human down, too. Why
0: didn't they just have pepper spray? They had. Well, they had
1: that, too. They had all the sprays, apparently. But bear spray was one of them.
0: Because they were camping? No,
1: It's just because they to, had it on hand. Something to put somebody down, like without using a gun, just. But did they? Go.
0: I wonder if they deliberately went out and bought it, or if they just had it on hand. Was this an improvised weapon?
1: Just. Move
0: on. No, I'm just. I'm
1: seriously <laughs> interested in
0: speculating. I'm allowed to be seriously interested in speculating.
1: I think they're the type of people that like just would have had it because they yeah, were yeah. hunters and. Yeah, that's cops that's and... what I'm
0: wondering. That's what I'm wondering. Yes. Okay. But I don't is it okay if I move on?
1: It's <laughs> more than okay, yes.
0: <laughs> All right, background. Alternatively titled, What in the Hell Was Everyone Thinking? In the 21st century, it is fairly common knowledge that habituating wild animals to people is unsafe and also mm. unethical. Yes. Yeah. It's. A,
1: I mean, just... I mean, it just. it's just dumb. Yes. Like, mm-hmm. it really is. Mm-hmm. You know, there are professionals. Let them deal with that. hmm You know, not... Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. Not not uh, the Tiger King, that guy. Oh, geez. <laughs> what yeah. What uh,
0: oh, The Tiger King. I don't remember his name. <laughs> I don't remember
1: his name either. He was
0: so big like four years yeah. ago and now I can't even remember his name.
1: Yeah. One of those people that got so, so big during the pandemic. <laughs> yes. He was like the first pandemic star.
0: Yeah, because it had just come out. Yeah. yeah I don't remember his name uh, either. Man. Anyway. Um, feeding wild animals is a big no-no. No. Anyone who goes out into the wild knows to pack out what they pack in, not bring pets with you in areas with large predators, carry canisters to hold your food so predators don't smell it, and to take the wildlife seriously. In 1967, Montana, this was not the attitude.
1: Yeah, because people were kind of stupid about it and naive about it. Like When I grew up camping, Mm -hmm. things like that, you're going to have garbage every day. Mm -hmm. You, You just are. The places that we camp provided you with, um, like bags or something? No, they provided you with uh, like uh, trash cans.
0: Okay. Uh-huh.
1: And it was required, like put a put a rock or put something on it to keep the lid on. Oh, okay. Not because a, a bear couldn't knock it over. Sure. For the reason that it's, it's not gonna it's not gonna yeah. pick up a scent. Yeah.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And that's why you did that. Uh-huh. So yeah, I'm guessing like none of this is happening in fucking. 96. Yeah. Where <laughs> it's where to- it's a requirement. Because Rangers came around like during the day right. just to make sure shit was mm-hmm. on the up and up. You know, if you were partying and dr- you could do whatever the fuck you want as long as you were following the basic rules. Right. You know? And so that's, <laughs> yeah, so that's all this is. That that's what is sorely lacking. I'm gonna guess, right? In in the in this episode.
0: Well, they they had to run ads telling people not to litter. Like this was a new yeah, concept. Don't
1: throw trash on the road. I remember when I was a little kid, it was yeah. still like a new concept. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't like a thing until like the late '70s or early '80s. Like, hey, don't throw your trash everywhere.
0: Yeah, don't throw your trash out the window. Like how <laughs> disgusting? Car,
1: like, yeah, like how disgusting is that? Well,
0: because we're used to, we were taught yeah. that, like from a young age, you know. Although I do feel that litter's making a little bit of a comeback, and it's really obnoxious. It's everywhere there.
1: around here. That's for sure. Yeah,
0: that's it's really gross. Don't litter, people. Just yeah. for God's Just sake, leave it we have your
1: fucking car, and like, like, how hard is that? Go and then, throw
0: it in. I don't even care if it's a random dumpster that says no, no dumping. It's Dump. Be- yeah,
1: it's better than. <laughs> like it's
0: okay. Yeah. Better than throwing it on the ground. Yeah. Jeez. So, oh
1: oh geez. Oh geez. We're, we're getting we're getting there oh with, geez. The, with the episode.
0: Jeez. So Glacier had been a national no. I won't do I'll do it in the accent. Glacier had been a national park since nineteen ten. Uh, the New Deal projects had created jobs, nice. and then tourism to the area, especially post
1: World War II. All that socialism. What did it do? <laughs> Small government. Uh.
0: And there had never been a fatal. uh, did I, Yeah, there had never been a fatal grizzly bear attack. So
1: that's good. That's yeah, actually uh, yeah. yeah. Uh
0: huh. This resulted in one of the craziest false senses of security that I've ever had to wrap my brain around. It was partially born out of laziness. Backcountry chalets and campgrounds were hard to get to, and packing out trash was complicated. And staff staff began depositing their garbage, largely food scraps, into dumps. Uh, Trash also littered the trails.
1: We can already see where this is going.
0: Yep. Trash also littered the trails to these spots, as tourists didn't want to lug their garbage back out of the backcountry. Of course, bears would then show up to feed, and at the Granite Park Chalet in particular, a popular rustic accommodation in the glacier backcountry, instead of discouraging dumping trash, began treating it almost as a show with people gathering to watch the bears come and eat. Uh,
1: no, thank
0: you. Ah. Uh, uh, just... This is multi-layered. Most rangers disagreed with these practices, but the park <laughs> generally let the behavior of the chalet staff go because it was more practical than dragging all the garbage out of the wilderness. In, no, yeah, not really. In 1967, they were also distracted by lots of wildfires. Hmm. Visitors to the shell,
1: Which might be caused by having garbage thrown around (laughs) everywhere. It probably
0: doesn't help.
1: (laughs) Cigarettes, like, like, just throwing
0: cigarettes out indiscriminately. Hey, does
1: does anybody see a pile of papers over there? Ding. (laughs) Right? And then, yeah. I mean, what the fuck? Oh, my God. Like, you think about, so, this is before the EPA and Mm -hmm. all sorts of shit that, that Nixon Signed into law, right? Huh?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I mean, yeah. The you yeah, had the Civilian Conservation Corps, things mm-hmm. like that, that came out of the New Deal era mm-hmm. with successive presidents. But for some yeah. reason, like basic shit, like you know, we, we probably shouldn't throw trash everywhere.
0: Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, what <laughs> if we just
1: what if we didn't do
0: stopped that? throwing yeah. garbage out
1: like every like everywhere.
0: <laughs> uh huh.
1: But yeah. Yeah, but there was a time.
0: Yeah, there sure was. I mean, mm-hmm.
1: it's like it's like telling a twenty-five-year-old nowadays like what it was like to smoke inside. Right. Like they would have no concept of yeah. it. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> visitors to the chalet the week before night of the grizzlies reported the staff encouraging the bears. Oh boy, encouraging the bears to approach in order to give the visitors a better view. So this is turning into like a side, like a circus sideshow sort of a thing. Well, that's so like yeah. zero precautions of any this is no. just this is it's getting not get it's getting
1: stupid really fucking fast yes
0: yeah in the 1960s people sometimes walked right up to bears in Glacier and Yellowstone oh my god listen to this and put their young children on the bears backs <laughs> This is what's wrong with boomers, isn't it? This is is their parents. This
1: is also why the life expectancy went up, like, after (laughs) after a while. Because our parents weren't putting us on the backs of wild bears. Right. But their parents were.
0: Our grandparents were putting our parents on the backs of grizzly Uh, bears. Oh, did you hear about
1: Johnny? Yeah. Like, (laughs) didn't make it past five. You know? (laughs) Yeah.
0: Oh, like, oh, what, did he get, was he hit by a car? No. no. he was hit by a grizzly. His yeah. dad put him on the back of
1: a... Not even by a grizzly, like, just a fucking, like, like just a normal bear. And just, you <laughs> Just know, a normal just, bear. He just thought it was a snack. Just to an abnormal yeah. bear. Yeah.
0: Oh, my God. <laughs>
1: fucking. Uh, there's also like lead paint around and like oh
0: yes i mean (laughs) if we wonder why the boomers Uh, are the boomers there's there's a there are reasons there are reasons
1: reasons why there
0: are many reasons why there's more than 13 (laughs) reasons why i'll tell you that oh my god can you
1: imagine just like thinking that that's like an okay idea like just be like i'm gonna you know
0: I mean, they also didn't have seatbelts. So they were. Well, that's kind of Safety one thing. Yeah. was just, like, not a consideration. I guess, yeah,
1: good point. Overall, safety was just, like.
0: Yeah. Kind of like
1: an afterthought. Like, seatbelts weren't even really around no, much that, in 1967. That's what I just said. Well, yes. That's right. But, um. <laughs> I was trying to say something else. But anyway, but uh-huh. like, in, like, uh, like, basic things like chemicals you use around the household and stuff right. like that mm-hmm. were fucking poisonous as shit but nobody really knew
0: well they were spraying with d <laughs> yeah, like, fucking... or ddt or whatever yeah, yeah. and like
1: the, uh-huh. chloro- the like the clorox of back in the day like that shit is used for like restaurant only things today and if you're gonna use like it, you industrial have to wear... yeah you've gotta have on like three pairs of fucking gloves because yeah. it'll eat through Jeez, corrosive oh yeah. god yeah it'll eat through fabrics and plastic like really easily god.
0: a Kalispell native american man named Steve Pierre featured in the PBS documentary, had remarked to a friend of his, a priest named Tom Connolly, that the, quote, crazy white people from the cities, end quote, were being very stupid. I mean, the crazy <laughs> white people... They're coming out from the cities! <laughs> <laughs> crazy white people is kind of redundant, but I say that as a white person. <laughs> but, yeah...
1: I can just imagine them mobbing like the like the suburbs and the wildlife. <laughs> from the city. Like, they're crazy white like people. Like they, from they from all the just cities. drive out there and point their lights like towards the woods <laughs> and then just fucking go go nuts. And some of the men try to build a fort. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he had been taught about respecting bears by his tribal elders. Yeah, and that's the th- that's <laughs> that's the problem. There's so many problems with white people, but <laughs> part of it is like there were people here yeah. for <laughs> thousands of years before us. And did we listen to them? No. We because, just killed them instead. Because they knew how to deal with everything. Because this is where yeah. they're from. Yeah. <laughs> um, but nope, 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 nope. Uh, a food motivated bear is a dangerous bear. I would also posit a food motivated cat. <laughs> Demetrius bear a little bit more. So. Except he's a lot smaller he and is. he's a lot easier to. To to control to cor- to corral. <laughs> yes, a bear. But you can see how like his little his little instincts just go wild. Mm-hmm. So imagine that in a eight hundred pound grizzly. I was bear. gonna say
1: like yeah, in a six in hundred pound animal. Yeah. That like when it stands on its hind legs is like seven feet tall.
0: Bears with cubs <sighs> were more aggressive to food. Yeah, because they have, oh, for they sure. have fam- a family to feed. Starving bears were more aggressive to food. Yes, because they're hungry. Fires had pushed.
1: What, what, what? Enough. I'm just saying. Yeah, saying okay.
0: Right. Um, fires had pushed bears closer to the popular hiking and ca- camping spots. I don't know why that was hard for me to say. Closer to the popular hiking and camping spots, a few miles away from Granite Park Chalet at Trout Lake, there was an older bear who had spent the summer of 1967 pillaging campsites and cabins and terrorizing campers. <gasps> Although she had not actually harmed anyone, just engaged in intimidation tactics. What are you picturing? <laughs>
1: like, like uh, intimidation tactics. Mm. Like, like, like somehow, like, uh, like jacked the child off of its back. Right. Like, You know, landed in a tree somewhere. No,
0: I'm, I'm picturing it wearing a leather jacket with a cigarette, being like, like "Be a shame if something happened yeah. to your campsite." Wouldn't it? <laughs> Despite her approaching even people on horseback, she was allowed to continue her summer of terror. The Park Service had considered removing this bear from the population, but she had become iconic to that area of the park that summer, having been known as the Camp Kelly bear. And none of them wanted to be the one to shoot her. After all, in 57 years of the National Park, no bear had killed a person. Okay. Important note... Bears had killed people before. The false sense of security was about bears in national parks and in glaciers specifically. Sure. So that's interesting that it's like, oh, we know bears can kill people. It's just that they've never killed one here, they never killed a person here in
1: this specific in this spot. area.
0: See, this is a circle of trust that we've we built. That we know of. <laughs> yes, exactly.
1: I mean, very yeah. easily could have happened to some schmuck 200 years prior, I, but there's right? no record of that.
0: No, see, we have an <laughs> agreement with the Grizzlies here at Glacier National <laughs> Yeah, Park. A
1: handshake agreement. Jeez.
0: Uh, oh, jeez. Well, <laughs> the night of the Grizzlies, according to PBS, quote, was the night we learned how little we knew about them,
1: end quote. <sighs> yeah, this, yeah. Oh, we're, getting, so, we're getting into...
0: Yeah, now we're getting into uh, jump scares. Yeah. <laughs> so August 1967. On August 12th...
1: T- ten years before I blessed the earth, by the way.
0: Yes. <laughs> 1967. <laughs> yes. you like, did you? <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> Julie Helgeson, 19, and her summer boyfriend Roy Decat, 18.
1: They sound like people from Minnesota.
0: They do sound. They do sound uh, midwestern. <laughs> yes, they do. No, they, they
1: sound specifically like Minnesotan.
0: Oh no? <laughs> well, we'll see. Uh, both summer employees of the park decided to use their. Well, if they, if they were summer employees, they probably were from the area. No. Decided to use their time off to to hike to the Granite Park Chalet. Ducat was a busboy, and Julie did laundry at a lodge. They were invited to another location with a group of four friends, but they had visited that site the week before, so they declined. They asked another friend, Paul Dunn, to accompany them to the chalet, but he decided to head to Trout Lake with the other group, leaving Roy and Julie to hike alone. The hike to the chalet via the, high, via the pic- picturesque High Trail took most of the day. The documentary shares photos Roy took that day. Upon arriving, they learned that the chalet was full for the night, People had already taken up the beds, any open space on the floor. The only open space was at a nearby campground, which had just been established. A 22-year-old ranger national... I almost said nationalist. (laughs) (laughs) Let me not mischaracterize this poor person. A 22-year-old ranger naturalist and a group of several dozen people were there as part of a guided experience. The ranger... So I'm
1: guessing a ranger nationalist are people that will only live in the woods.
0: <laughs> I guess so, right? What else would it be? They won't
1: live anywhere else.
0: <laughs> the ranger leading the experience was named Joan Devaro, and it was the first year that women were employed in large numbers by the park in ranger positions. As a woman, Joan was not supposed to be leading these overnight groups. But all the men were fighting the fires, so she was sent out. Among those sleeping in the chalet that night were, ironically, a nurse and three doctors, oh, including shit. a surgeon.
1: <laughs> exactly who you would want for night of the grizzlies.
0: <laughs> I mean, with with uh, supplies, mm. <laughs> with the proper <laughs> hey. equipment and supplies. Yeah,
1: uh, you know, if they if they've got a you know ad lib.
0: Well, I mean.
1: So be it. Or ad lim. <laughs>
0: But um, <laughs> yeah, I'm proud of myself. I'm glad. I'm glad you're proud of yourself. <laughs> Roy and Julie ultimately decided to hike down the hill a couple hundred yards to sleep at the campground. They had not known that bears were being fed at the chalet until they got there, but they'd been told.
1: That, <laughs> and they were like, "What?
0: <laughs> you're like, excuse me." But they'd been told that grizzlies avoided contact with people. Yeah. And they've been told that if they did, did encounter an aggressive bear, to just play dead. And then the bear would leave them alone. So they weren't scared. Yikes.
1: No big deal. Yeah. See what you do is, see? You just play dead. <laughs> and oh, if it eats man. you, which it hasn't happened yet, then it eats you. And it's over with quick, isn't it?
0: <laughs> this campground was very near, near the trail to the dump where the bears <sighs> rummaged. Though garbage every evening. Oh, sorry. Rummage through garbage. I was going to say, so the bears crowd. know yeah. this trail probably oh, yes. better than oh, the humans yes. do. Roy and Julie talked to other campers, then settled in at the campground and went to sleep. No tent, just in their sleeping bags under the stars. In the it, oh god, okay, jump scare. Yeah. Okay, you ready? I already... In the early first hours of the morning, Roy was awakened to Julie whispering, "Play
1: dead." Hmm.
0: <laughs> Like shivers. Oh god, a grizzly bear grabbed Roy and threw him. The teen coming clear out of his sleeping bag and landing 10 feet away, face down. Oh. The bear jumped on Roy's back and bit his shoulder. Despite the pain, Roy played dead.
1: No fucking way.
0: The bear bit his legs, and Roy somehow managed not to move or make a sound.
1: Damn. How?
0: Fear, terror, shock. Yeah. The bear left him and began to bite Julie and she screamed. The bear bit her again and again and she screamed again. Somebody help us. The bear picked her up in its jaws and began to run down the hill. Oh my God. Roy tried to get up and turn on his flashlight, hoping it would startle the bear. Quote, and then, he said, I realized that my left arm was just hanging there. Oh, Jesus. oh my god. Up at the chalet, screams were heard, and after several minutes of confusion, someone called down asking if everything was okay.
1: <laughs> like the the, the uh, SpongeBob SquarePants meme comes to mind where there's the fire in the underwater, and you're like, everything's fine. Everything's fine. fine. <laughs> All good.
0: Oh, a my voice. my lord. Belonging to a camper who had been sleeping about 100 feet from Roy and Julie yelled back, no, because they said, is everything okay? No. What's the trouble? They yelled from the chalet. The response was short but chilling. Bear. We have all had those moments in our lives where we wait for an adult to take charge of a situation before realizing that we, in fact, are the adult in charge of the situation. 22-year-old Joan Devereaux, The ranger naturalist, (laughs) to be clear, uh, realized suddenly that she was the leader. She was the only park service employee at the chalet. This was her first summer working at the park. This was her first overnight in the backcountry. It was pitch dark, no one knew what was going on, and this was an unprecedented event. She began frantically attempting to contact headquarters with her radio. Steve Pierre, surrounded by the crazy white people from the city, remembered something his elders had told him. Bears were afraid of fire. They found a large pot and put wood in it and started a fire, using the pot to light their way as well as a possible bear deterrent as they headed down the hill. They found Roy and Shock but Conscious, who immediately started yelling that they needed to go get Julie. Even as they carried him back to the chalet, Even as the doctors at the chalet began examining him, he kept yelling, Please find Julie, don't worry about me, please find Julie. Initially, there was a lot of debate over whether or not the group should go look for Julie, weighing the risk of future loss of life. Devereaux knew they needed a helicopter to bring medical supplies and a ranger with a rifle. She kept trying to radio headquarters for help, only able to reach those on duty fighting the fires. Eventually a military veteran working for the park agreed to fly a helicopter to the chalet. He had been there before but not at night. It was pitch black and the only way to tell where the mountains mountains were was the absence of stars. Sure. Jeez. He and a ranger equipped with a rifle set out. Nowadays, bear spray, basically very intense pepper spray, is the recommended bear protection. It is an extremely effect it is extremely effective when used properly and is a better option than a gun because it clouds. So you do not have to be as accurate when being charged by a seven hundred pound animal at forty miles per hour. Good point. Yeah. It also teaches the bears to associate aggression towards humans with pain while not permanently harming them. That's a good point. However, park rangers, especially in the backcountry, have both bear spray and firearms. Yeah, of
1: course. Mm-hmm,
0: because yeah. there are occasions where the latter is necessary. In 1967, a gun was all they had. When the helicopter arrived... A, a
1: gun and, like, flashlights. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, fucking...
0: Uh-huh.
1: I, I think people kind of take... We can't... Like, unless you've been through, like, a power blackout... Like you take how black
0: it is, how dark it is without yeah. any light, mm-hmm. street
1: light, nothing. It's Out. fucking no, yeah. dark. Mm-hmm. Like you can't see shit. Yeah. I mean, you really can't. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. yeah, you get a little bit of night vision, but that's in the fucking woods. It's not going to do you a whole lot of good because yeah. there are trees and shrubs and all. Yeah. No, yeah. it's dark as fuck.
0: Yeah. When the helicopter arrived, it landed thanks to flashlights from the chalet, guiding them in by pointing the light at the ground. (laughs) Joan, who had been both preparing the landing area as well as preventing the others from going out into the woods before the other ranger arrived, finally had some relief. It had been hard on everyone not to go look for Julie while Roy was begging them to do so, of course. Roy Ducat was put into the helicopter and taken to a hospital, while those left at the chalet set out to search for Julie. They found her, thanks to tracking by Steve Pierre, about 400 feet from the campsite. She was very badly mauled and had lost a lot of of blood, but was still conscious, Mm. albeit barely. The bear had removed all the clothes from her body as it mutilated the teen. The rescue group put her into a makeshift litter to take her back to the chalet, where the doctors and nurse, who just happened to be visiting that night, had set up an operating table with the supplies bought, brought by the helicopter. Sure. Julie was in and out of consciousness as they carried her back, at one point waking up and asking one of the group, quote, would you hold my hand, please, quote. Jeez. Father Connolly was one of the ones carrying her, standing near her head, and he told her that, quote, God is watching over you, end quote. She weakly replied, quote, yes, I know he is, end quote. Side note, in general, I don't love the assumption that a lot of religious religious people make that everyone else is religious, or should be, and that everyone is comforted by religious commentary. In this case, though, all of Father Connolly's actions appeared to give Julie more comfort than anything else that was done for her, so I'm glad he did everything he does here.
1: Of course. Like, if you're in a situation like that, most people understand, you know. Like, if you're in a foxhole with somebody else and, you know, munitions are being rained down on you, yeah, you're probably going to pray to God.
0: Well, or, or if not, you know, even if it's just the idea of, like, um, th- that... Um, you're not alone. You're not being abandoned. Yeah. There, there's comfort with you, whether that's, you know, the people with you or whatever. Yeah, yeah that's, Totally understandable. Yeah. When Julie got back to the chalet, the doctors struggled to find a vein that hadn't collapsed <sighs> in order to insert an IV and hang a plasma bottle. When this was done successfully, the doctors felt some hope, but they quickly realized that this was beyond their or anyone's capabilities. She'd lost too much blood and was too badly injured. Both of her lungs were damaged so badly it was shocking she was still getting any air at all. One doctor made eye contact with Father Connolly and shook his head. Connolly got water and baptized Julie and performed the sacrament of last, last rites and then took Julie's hand and began to pray out loud. She squeezed his hand, mouthed the words along with him for a while, and then stopped. Her hand went limp. It was 4.13 a.m. on August 13th, 1967. It was the first fatal mauling by a grizzly bear in the 57-year history of Glacier National Park. The second fatal mauling in the park's history took place at Trout Lake, eight, minutes, eight miles away as the crow flies just minutes later. Jeez. That's why it's the night mm. of the grizzlies. Trout Lake, August 12th to 13th, 1967. The five sum of Paul Dunn, Ray, oh, that's the guy who went with the other, oh man. Ray Dunn, sorry, Paul Dunn, Ray, and Ron Nosek, Michelle Coons, and Denise Huckle were hiking to Trout Lake at the same time Ron and Julie were hiking to the chalet. Denise, against park rules, had brought, oh no, her dog with her, a puppy named Squirt. Mm. I feel like something bad's mm. going to happen to Squirt. Mm. Dogs are not allowed in most national parks in the West. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I get it. Uh, due to safety concerns when yeah. it comes to wildlife, yes. The brothers, Ray and Ron, were dating Michelle and Denise. If the name Paul Dunn sounds familiar, he had been invited to hike to Granite Park Shelley, with Roy and Julie, but had declined in order to hike to Trout Lake with the others. For Paul Dunn, the PBS documentary says, quote, The decision was one framed with inevitability, end quote. Dunn says that even all these years later, it sends a chill down his spine. Jeez. It's almost like a choose-your-own-adventure and like there's a bear on either end. Yeah. God. In the evening of August 12th, the men were fishing and Michelle was sitting on a log when she noticed a bear entering their camp. This was the bear that had been terrorizing the Kelly camp all summer, the bear that the park rangers hadn't wanted to shoot. The campers grabbed, squirt, and fled the immediate area, and the bear went through their food, eating most of what they had, and then headed back into the woods. The group debated leaving, but the only way out was through a thick berry patch. They did not want to do that in the evening when they didn't have light. They were more scared to hike out than to stay. They built a large bonfire to deter the bear and then went to sleep. Paul Dunn was unable to zip up his sleeping bag all the way. I'm going to guess that's important for some reason. The bear returned around 2 a.m. when it ate more of their food and then went back into the woods. The boys threw more wood on the fire and Denise shoved Squirt to the bottom of her sleeping bag. Um, and then Nicole says, it frustrates me endlessly that they brought that damn dog. Denise and Michelle both had a lot of the dog scent on them. Oh, that's true. Mm-hmm. No one slept very well as the bear had stayed around, pacing around their campsite and splashing its paws in the water. And the group could hear its heavy breathing. Man, oh my that's god. That's
1: creepy as fuck. That's
0: very creepy. Paul does. Because it's
1: out there just deciding. Yeah, it's like. Like, which like one? really? It's like that's what it's yeah. fucking doing. It's like. How do I go? Like, about do I get this? just the dog? Do I get Ugh. the dog and the human?
0: Who looks the plumpest? Yeah. Like Who's that... the best food here?
1: Or do I just do I just go in and like get whoever?
0: Right, whoever I can get yeah. first. Yeah. Jeez, it's like a horror movie. Yeah,
1: it's fucking exactly what this is. Hmm. This Dun- would make for a great. This is almost like this is like the bear version of um. Uh man, the ghost in the darkness, which was about the, oh. those two lions that oh yeah mm-hmm. stalked humans, not for food like for, for, for
0: sport yes yeah
1: apparently yeah
0: paul dunn said hearing the breathing was the most terrifying part I yeah can, you're fucking I cannot right even imagine. uh
1: because they have no they have nothing to defend themselves with except mm-hmm. for a fire mm-hmm. um yeah know, i mean best case scenario you can get a burning log or like get something and
0: right hit it or something like that but no
1: guns no knives Mm-hmm. Totally exposed. They're they're not even.
0: Yeah, this is awful. I
1: mean, even if you had a tent, that might do something. Probably not, but mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. Like this, this all this sucks.
0: It does suck. The whole it does thing. suck. Yes. Around four a.m., the bear got close again, and they all whispered to each other to play dead. I don't know how you tell the puppy to do that, but the bear grabbed Paul Dunn's sleeping bag chomping down on it as it was unzipped Dunn slipped out of the bag jumped over the fire and ran for a tree he went straight up the tree even though there were no branches near the bottom fueled by adrenaline it's like a fucking cartoon this startled the bear and she ran into the woods Just <laughs> like what the fuck humans can't do <laughs> superhuman. What, what is this one but then she came back Ron and Denise leapt out of the, le, Ron and Denise leapt out of their sleeping bags and darted for the nearest tree, yelling at the others to do the same. Usually, this is a bad idea as running triggers the chase instinct of a predator. But these this seemed to work as each time the bear startled and temporarily moved off. Now only Ray and Michelle remained in the camp. They're all like up in the trees except for these two. Paul Dunn shouted at them, Don't play dead. Run. Ray ran, and Michelle stayed in her sleeping bag. Mm. Sources differ on if her zipper was stuck or if she was paralyzed by fear. Yeah, either way, I mean. It was still dark, and the others didn't know Michelle hadn't left her sleeping bag until she screamed that the bear had her arm. Then she screamed, Oh my God, I'm dead. From the time the, bed, the bear re-entered the camp, went after Paul, the others ran, and Michelle was attacked and dragged away was mere minutes. Mm. The other four, plus Squirt, climbed high into trees, (laughs) so Squirt could scale the tree too. Just just fucking instinct, I guess. And waited for it to get light before running all the way to a ranger station at the trailhead. I thought Squirt was going to be the one to not make it, but poor Michelle. When they burst in yelling about a bear attack, the rangers assumed they meant the attack on Julie. Oh my had God. Yeah. It, it, like
1: where took care of it.
0: <clears throat> yeah. Their blood ran cold when they realized that this was a different attack and a different bear. The sites were only a few miles apart as the crow flies, but with mountains in between. Yes. So they knew from the start that this was not the same bear. The helicopter pilot had just returned from flying Julie's body out when he was told totally unthinkable. Jeez. Rangers went with their rifles to Trout Lake taking two of the survivors with him to point out their camp. They found Michelle's body. Mm. She had been partially eaten. Ranger Leonard Landis said, quote, it took me a little bit to get my senses about me that this had happened, end quote. Michelle's parents had just gotten home from church when the phone rang. It was a ranger. Quote, I'm so sorry to have to tell you, but your daughter was killed, end quote. Her father's first response upon learning she was killed by a grizzly bear was, quote, was anyone else hurt, end quote. The ranger told him yes, but the others at Trout Lake were going to be all right. He then informed Coons that there had been another fatal mauling that night by another bear. Back at the chalet, Joan Devereux waited with the other campers for armed rangers to escort them all back to safety. She was racked with guilt for not letting the rescuers go look for Julie earlier. One of the doctors told her that Julie had been attacked on the street, and that if sorry that if Julie had been attacked on the street in front of a hospital, they still would probably have been unable to save yeah, her. So yeah, yeah. Devro was ultimately given an award by the National Park Service for her courage and leadership on that night. She is interviewed in the PBS documentary as is uh, Roy Ducat, Steve Pierre, Father Connolly, Ranger Landa, the helicopter pilot, Michelle Coons's family, and others. As the Granite Park Chalet group was escorted back to the front country, four rangers passed them on their way in. Their orders was were to bait the dump and shoot any bears they saw. Jeez. Yeah. They killed two male grizzlies over the next two nights before shooting a sow with cubs. This bear is unconfirmed to be the bear that killed Julie, but due to blood on her claws and a damaged pat on her foot, which would have given her constant pain, they believed she was the bear which had done so, and this is generally accepted. Usually, even food conditioned bears will only kill humans if they are desperate. That's like the just, the like man eaters of the exact, of, yeah, like exact mm-hmm. same thing. Yep.
1: Like but it's yeah, but but Yeah. Don't put them in a situation where that's a choice that they have to make.
0: Right, yeah, exactly. The cubs were shot as well. Ugh. Even today, if a bear kills a human in self-defense...
1: I know. It it's...
0: is allowed to live. But if the human is partially or wholly consumed, then the bear must die. Yeah,
1: which it makes no sense.
0: I think the idea is so that it doesn't get... That bears don't get used to eating humans. It, it is it is shitty, though. I mean, but like, now,
1: it's... But now, nowadays, with modern technology, and mm-hmm. kind of even back then, I mean, uh, but not the same sophistication it is now it, it'd be way easier just to uh track, the, track, oh, track them track whatever predator it was mountain yeah. line because mountain lions kill people mm-hmm. uh bears obviously but
0: i'm with you i I'm, don't like the killer. i don't either because
1: because it's doing what it's on earth to do i think and yes it's yeah. sad that it happens to of course of course e- extremely sad but it, that's not the bear's fault.
0: My guess would be yeah. that it's to avoid them from getting conditioned to eating people. That's all.
1: Yeah, I mean, that, I mean, that's my thought. I guess but. I've never thought of it that way, but you could be right. That, yeah,
0: we'll, we'll see what Nicole has yeah. to say about that. Um, in the lower forty-eight states, the greatest distance between man-made roads is less than twenty-five miles. I was oh wow!
1: Say that doesn't surprise me. At that's all. interesting. There's a road everywhere.
0: Yeah. It is impossible to relocate a bear that has preyed upon people to a place where they will not encounter humans again. The shots fired at the cubs struck one of them and both ran off. Somehow this cub survived the winter but was humanely killed the next summer due to it no longer having a lower jaw. Also, they maimed the poor thing. Jeez. Despite knowing that they had orders to try to kill the cubs as well, One of the rangers was so upset about this that he punched the man who shot at them. Historically, the shooting at Cubs is still considered controversial, an overreaction. I understand their logic behind doing it, but I don't know that it necessarily has to happen. It is hard for me to make a judgment more than 50 years later. I do believe there are fates worse than death, and if the Cubs had been younger, and it was guaranteed they'd starve or be eaten by other bears with their mother gone, as awful as it sounds... Shooting them would just, would in the end be faster and more humane. I you was going to say,
1: because if you, if, especially if they're young enough, if you kill the mom, you've essentially killed the Right. Boys. It's only, it's only about, they can't protect themselves. Right.
0: But at the age they were, it's a much bigger gray area. Sure. I guess I can't judge as I was not there hey, and was not reacting to a horrifying event in real time.
1: Most likely the Cubs knew where the garbage trails were. Yeah. 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 i mean th- this was this is all created by human error yes
0: oh yes 100 percent. the
1: whole thing mm-hmm. i mean this uh, and again
0: this is a human caused disaster like,
1: yeah. i get why people are like oh why can't you do this why can't you, you know why you can't because somebody was really fucking dumb before right like mm-hmm. that's why mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? yeah
0: that's why we have the rules we do because <laughs> someone did the opposite and it didn't turn out well yeah yeah as for the bear that killed michelle coons Rangers baited the area and ultimately hiked two miles to a cabin after failing to spot her. The next morning, the bear showed up at their cabin and they shot her as she advanced upon them. Mm. They were able to confirm conclusively upon examining her stomach that she was the bear who had killed Uh, Michelle. The bear was emaciated and had glass embedded in her gums. Jeez. Probably from uh, the garbage, yeah. Most likely. Like the bear who likely killed Julie, she would have been in constant pain. It was likely from eating the trash, yep, that had been left along the trail that the bear got the mouth injuries. Interviews with the Rangers made CBS national news. The Rangers were probably still hosted by Dan Rather even back then. <laughs> have, you know what?
1: Uh, yeah, he does go back after Or was far. that
0: Walter Cronkite? No, back well, in the day. both of them.
1: But Dan Rather goes back to, like, one of the earliest things he ever did was the. Uh, uh, JFK assassination oh jeez like, wow Okay. I'm fucking yeah. involved in that so, and that was 63 <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's, yeah. Mm-hmm. he's definitely he, yeah mm-hmm. God.
0: the rangers were concerned for the safety of humans as well as for the future of grizzlies quote we have one of the last strongholds for grizzlies here in the park end quote one of them said In the years after this event, grizzlies were killed by hunters and poachers in retaliation. Oh, fuck you. That's just bullshit. Retaliate against an animal? (laughs) Are you kidding uh, me?
1: It's, (sighs) I mean, uh, whatever. All right. Now,
0: on to why playing dead didn't work. Because remember, they were all trying to play dead. Like, all of them. Everyone in this situation. Uh,
1: My prediction is going to be because the bear was already in pain and emaciated.
0: So it was just kind of, like, more motivating. It was already
1: agitated, and it was like, you know what? It's just, just it laying there. It smells right.
0: Let me give it a shot. Just laying there. Mm. Many have questioned throughout the years why the bears continued to attack despite the humans playing dead. Now, I want to give a shout-out here to the Tooth and Claw podcast, because while they are not my only source for this interpretation of the events, and I'd heard this explanation prior to their excellent three-parter on this tragedy... West does a great job of going over all of this, and it's probably the most well-done explanation of this that's available online. Earlier, when discussing bear behavior, I mentioned that if it's black, fight back. If it's brown, get down. is what you should do, generally speaking. While a good rule of thumb, when determining what to do in a bear attack, it's most effective to figure out the motivation behind the attack and react appropriately. In reality, you behave differently for predatory attacks and defensive attacks. And it's just that usually a predatory attack is by a black bear and a defensive attack is by a grizzly bear. In the case of the Granite Park Chalet bear, she was not surprised by the humans. They were almost always present around the chalet and in the general area. Ditto to the Camp Kelly Trout Lake bear. She had been actively pursuing humans all summer. The campers were also asleep and therefore did not surprise a bear or pose a threat to any cubs. Sure. These bears were initiating a, rare for grizzly, predatory attack. In this case, the course of action more typical of black bear attacks would have been the best course of action, fight back. Make it feel that the effort it would take to kill you would not be worth the calories gained by consumption. This time of year, bears are are in what is called hyperphagia when they eat constantly in order to fatten up for their dormant period sure. in the winter yeah this was august yeah yep. the most likely time for any predatory attacks against a human is august through november when the bears begin to den so they're fattening themselves up
1: mm-hmm.
0: now i'm not blaming Julian michelle for not knowing this of course
1: not. as evidenced yeah.
0: by this entire story glacier national park was doing a horrible job of educating Enforcing rules and keeping people safe, and the teenagers were doing exactly what they'd been taught to do. It's also possible fighting back would have had the same result and possibly ended up with Roy being killed alongside I mean, Julie. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, it's all
1: we're talking about a fucking grizzly bear.
0: Right. But it's also possible both would have survived, and unfortunately there's no way of knowing for sure. No. I do want to note real quick, in case anyone is interpreting this as victim blaming, that while I don't think anyone here caused their own mauling or death when speaking about man versus nature scenarios, it is simply a reality check that often an attack has less favorable result because the human or humans involved were making naive or reckless mistakes. Example, the cassowary episode where a kid died after beating the bird. Yeah. Yeah. That sounded dirty, but well, know, it, uh, yeah. hurting the cassowary. Yeah, <laughs> I don't like the use of the term "victim blaming" in contexts like these because animals do not attack maliciously or sadistically. Very and, seldomly. Uh, No, they they don't. They're not human. They don't have that. They're not sociopaths. Correct.
1: To that level. Right.
0: And there's a huge difference between human behavior exacerbating a situation with a wild animal and trying to claim that a victim of violence at the hands of another human was, quote, asking for it. These young people did not react appropriately to the bears, but they were attempting to do what they'd been taught. Aside from Denise bringing Squirt and the others not refusing to go unless the dog stayed behind, the teenagers in neither situation did anything wrong. So yeah, bringing the dog was the the dumbest mistake. But
1: yeah, but so, nobody deserved the. the
0: no, bed, of course, like, of okay, course yeah. not. But yeah. the bear also wasn't punishing anybody. Right. It was just doing what it did. So, all right. So conclusion: Night of the Grizzlies was the catalyst for change in how grizzlies were viewed and managed. The park finally accepted the inconvenience of packing out trash or burning it, and signage went up and pamphlets printed out with warnings not to interact with or feed bears. The narrative changed from grizzly bears aren't dangerous to all wildlife is dangerous.
1: And unpredictable.
0: mm Yep.
1: Which is what makes it dangerous.
0: A big part of it, yeah. Jack Olson's book, Night of the Grizzlies, was released two years after the tragedy and was a bestseller. While called an ecological thriller that could imply a fictional work, survivors say the book is both accurate and thorough. In the book, Olsen writes sympathetically about bears, the bears aware of the mass killing of grizzly bears that had happened by rangers, hunters, and poachers alike following the tragedy, and the real fear that because of retaliation to the night of the grizzlies, they might go extinct. And if not for the Endangered Species Act of 1973, They very well may have. Today, there are about 60,000 grizzly bears in North America, half of which are in Alaska. There are about 300 in Glacier National Park. That's not many at all. The public is much more well-educated and the park service much more strict with enforcement of rules, creating the much-needed space between humans and bears. There have been eight more fatalities since Night of the Grizzlies, but this totals 10 fatalities and more than 100 million visitors to the park since it was established in 1910. Yeah, Yeah. Michelle Kuhn's father supports the conservation efforts. Quote, I always would think about what civilization has done to bears, force them to do things they wouldn't ordinarily do. Mm -hmm. End quote. That, my friends, was the story of the Night of the Grizzlies. Well done. Yes. Well done, Nicole. And of course. As always.
1: Scary as hell.
0: That is, that is and like horror movie type stuff.
1: But now, like, we know. like not, Well, we knew then, to, too. To, well, <laughs> yeah. apparently not. Well, apparently and, and, not well and, enough. And some people still don't know. Like, there are all those... <clears throat> Ever since selfies became a thing, there are all sorts of videos on people... Let me get a a selfie with a bison in the background. Jeez, yeah. I mean, people do stupid shit. That's
0: very true. It's
1: like, why would you turn your back on a... Now, a bison does weigh about a ton, I Mm -hmm. believe, on average. It's like, why would you turn your back on a fucking one-ton animal? Like, that's, number one, not a good decision. Number two, an even worse decision to be anywhere near it. But, I guess... Yeah. I guess maybe you did have to teach conservation to people because of course, oth- because otherwise yeah. how were they going to learn it? But th- this isn't like uh-huh. this isn't like the 1600s where you're having to go into the woods like chop down trees no, to make your right. own house. Mm-hmm. You know, all that shit's already been provided.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So like the well,
0: and there's like a unique, a uniquely shitty attitude. In places like the United States, because, like, I'm not saying right now. Like it used to be.
1: That's yes. what I'm saying. It I'm not saying be. right sure. now.
0: But the thing is that, like, the thing about, like, people indigenous to North America were largely raised and were, were largely raised and um, in, encouraged and socialized with a respect for the nature that they were involved with, and knew how to react to it, knew how to interact with it with relative safety. I mean, I'm, it wasn't a safe. Nothing is guaranteed, as now. obviously. Um, yeah. but but when colonists arrived, that no, respect no, really yeah, went away. Just, just was an absolute.
1: Well, it was never there in the first place, most, right? Most likely. So, yeah.
0: so that's that's the problem. Is like there was a. A lack of respect, first off, because the this a lot of the spiritual practices or mm-hmm. um, a philosophical practices of indigenous people included a lot of respect sure. for nature, but it... colonists don't have didn't have that level of respect. So it did have to be yeah. learned. It did yeah. have to be taught eventually, and it's it's still not to a point where where we're very good at it as colonists. Yeah, and that lack but... of
1: respect leads to all sorts of bad outcomes. It mm-hmm. leads to a lack of awareness. It leads mm-hmm. to a, a lack of appreciation, obviously, mm-hmm. um, and a, a complete a, a complete ignorance at the same time. Mm-hmm. So if you have all those things working for you at the same, I mean, it's just...
0: But I think that's that's why it had to be, like you said, Like people weren't so conservation-minded. It's like, yeah... Colonists weren't very conservation minded, so we had to eventually kind of relearn some of it. Yeah, I mean,
1: and also that we're, we're still talking at a time where there's a lot of rural America, much more now or much more back then than there is now, where people naturally have hunted and stuff like that. So I don't mm-hmm. think those people had, you know, any problems with these type of encounters because they knew better. But like we're talking well, about, well, with whatever, but we're talking, they were used to <laughs> we're talking it about with. the rush of like white people coming out of the city. Oh, the, the go, crazy white people from go, the city, yeah. And just, fl- you know, fl- uh, frolicking in frolicking, nature. Frolicking, thank you. Mm-hmm. Frolicking is the word I was looking for. Just frolicking out there. Yeah. Uh, having, you know... There's not even, like, a nature show on TV because right? it's 1967. Like, that hasn't, that hasn't happened yet.
0: I I am a, a crazy white person from the city. Do you know what I do? I stay in the city. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do not go. go. Yeah.
1: And where you grew up, where you spent a lot of your time growing up, is close to, like, extremely dangerous wildlife. Oh, yes. And it's just like, yeah, I'm just going to stay inside. I, stay. I
0: did go to the Everglades. I sure. have been to the Everglades. But you
1: didn't walk through them. Oh, yeah. Oh. Well, I mean, oh, no. not
0: like... Uh, well, like on, on the, the little I'm pathways d- and yes. trails I'm and stuff. talking about
1: like walk through them or, no why no. would I do that exactly. why would any
0: human do that exactly humans are so stupid people <laughs> like <do>. why why <laughs> why 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 no I I am glad that there are people who are well trained who do that because that's part of conservation work too sure. so I'm very happy for those people who do and for those people who who do it recreationally, but are very smart about it. Like Nicole, Nicole yes. enjoys naturing, <laughs> <laughs> naturing. and so just naturing, but she knows how to, what to do, how to do it, how to do it safely, how to do it respectfully. So that is how it should be done. I don't know any of those things, so I just don't, <laughs> I just don't do it.
1: Nature. Just don't. And <laughs> that's a
0: good, that's a good one. I think a sticker like yes. that. Um, but uh but i do know that my natural instincts are not terrible because what that's did true. I do yes, when San I San saw Stingray in San Diego? <laughs> you stamped your feet. I go, oh oh oh! <laughs> I stamped my feet and as I was running, running, running. <laughs>
1: Which I learned in my surfing lesson. It was the right like, thing a to couple do. Couple days later, it's like that's what you're supposed to do. I got out <laughs> of the water
0: because that was not my water. That was Mr. Stingray or Miss Stingray's water. That was not mine. I I saw them and I said I am so sorry. I am in your house. I will leave now. I will leave by going, ooh, 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 and running back as quickly as I can back to the beach. And you may have your house back. And I apologize profusely for my intrusion. That was wrong with me. I apologize to all the stingrays in the world.
1: Well, you almost got to tell. <coughs> but unwitting, unwittingly, you knew what to do. <coughs> my instincts were good in that instance, yes. but...
0: Ah, all right well thank you nicole as always once again naturally yes excellent i don't think it's actually written on here (laughs) let me see yeah right there
1: oh there we go well i mean it's pretty hard title to forget so that was night of the grizzlies (laughs) yes this has been another episode of all bad things i'm david i'm rachel we'll see you next week